Hi, I'm Joe Jacobson at Wickham Wanderers, and you're listening to Wickham Sound. The Wickham Wanderers Show. Welcome along to episode two, season three. If you've listened to previous seasons, uh, you'll know that after a while, I, I only count for the initial ones and then sort of either lose count or just think, well, we're getting well into the season now. It seems silly going, this is welcome to episode 33 or something. Uh, but we've had the first game of the season, a fantastic 3-0 victory at home to Burton Albion. Uh, we'll be reflecting on that with uh, our match commentator. Brilliant to give you uh, the uh, the commentary as well as on Wanderers TV, but here on Wickham Sound on Saturday as well from 3 o'clock. Uh, although in terms of goals, it was all over in the first half an hour, uh, which is very unusual, isn't it, uh, for... <laughs> For a Wiccan fan, normally you have to wait a while for the goals, usually after after about 90 minutes or more. But uh, we'll hear from uh, David Wheeler as well, who of course opened the scoring on Saturday at Adams Park. Uh, we'll also, as I say, uh, chat to Phil as well and find out uh, his assessment of how the team did on that opening day and look ahead to the trip to Bolton and uh, what else that involves this coming Saturday as well. With big thanks to the Wickham Wanderers Ex-Players Association, we'll hear from Martin Priestley, who was a defender at the club, started in 1959, and then by 1966 he'd become Wickham Wanderers' first ever substitute. That might be a quiz question that might come up in a pub quiz, so we're worth hanging on to that stat. We'll hear from manager Gareth Ainsworth as well, and we'll catch up with Wickham Wanderers women's boss Carl Simon once again, who we've been speaking to this week ahead of the Lionesses' success at Wembley, of course, on Sunday. But first, here are some highlights from Saturday's game. Adams Park awaits here the first game of the season, Wickham Wanderers versus Burton Albion, live on Wanderers TV and Wickham Sound 106.6 with me, Phil Catchpole, and making his Coventry debut. A man who looked comfortable on the pitch last season, will he be comfortable in the press box? Let's find out this afternoon. Good afternoon, Chris Marino. How are you, mate? Yeah, good afternoon, Phil. Uh, feeling good. I'm excited for the opening day of the season. Um, Comfortability-wise, probably about a 2 out of 10. I'm a bit nervous sat here, then I'll be out there. But Wickham now get the ball down, and here's Mometi on the left-hand side. Folks is with him. Mometi now, dancing away now. On the left, goes past his man, stays on his feet. And then he's hauled down. Gavin Ward. Surely that's a penalty. It's got to be a penalty. Gavin Ward shakes his head. Gareth Ainsworth is on his feet. As ever, he's on the air. Arms outstretched. Gavin Ward had a completely clear line of sight there, Chris. He pulled him down, didn't he? It's got to be a penalty. Anes with some great trickery there, pushing it past his man, showing some great strength. Um, and he's kind of scrambling across the floor. And I think he's taken Anes's left foot out there. Well, he beat him three times in that move. And the third time... Oshilaja, he was on the deck and he saw the arm go up there, Chris. As a centre-back, you'd have been, you'd have known what you'd have been thinking then. Definitely, I think he realised he was in trouble and kind of, I think it was his head, shoulder and arm pulling Anis's ankle there. I think that's definitely a penalty, yeah. Well, an early test for the referee. One minute on the clock here and already the big shout for a controversial decision into this new season. McCleary now into Scoan. Scoan, low, he releases Wheeler. Wheeler, strong goal! And scores! Yeah! David Wheeler! He drives his imaginary car to the corner flag. It's the first goal of the season at Adams Park. It's the first goal of 22-23. And it's a Swiss Army pen knife, David Wheeler, cutting in on the right-hand side and poking it past the keeper. Wicker Wanderers 1, Burton Albion 0. Great move. I think it was Josh going there with the pass, the reverse pass, unlocking the defence and Wills gambling in nicely there. But now Hawken really making it. He's impressive again. Hawken little one-two with Gate. Hawken right wing stands up the cross to Vokes. He's pushed over. It's got to be a pen. 
Brayford, Brayford was behind Vokes. Vokes felt the touch on his back and went down. Referee Gavin Ward again, well placed. Again, very quick to say no penalty. But Mameti now, left wing, cuts it between two. Still going, Mameti. Still going, Mameti. Still going. What a goal! Alice Mameti. They said this could be in this season. What a way to start it. He beat three players. They tried to put him down and he stayed on his feet. He looked at the keeper and said, which way do you reckon, mate? It didn't matter. He put it in the bottom corner. Wickham two. Burton Albion nil. Alice Mameti take him out. Amazing feet again from the Mete there. As I said, you go either way and what a finish into the left corner there. Off his left foot. Going across the keeper, he stood no chance. Just coming up to 30 minutes played as Mameti hangs in across to the back post. Folks, drops down to Scullin. Great goal. strike. Oh my word, what a goal by Josh Scullin. Opening day of the season and we've got a goal of the season contending already. The ball was headed clear and Josh Scullin on the half volley from just outside the D picks out the top corner Garrett didn't move a muscle Wickham Wanderers 3 Burton Albion 0 what a strike on the half volley it's not an easy technique but he's actually almost intercepted the drop ball there between the Burton player and managed to find what looked like the top corner on the half volley and the referee Gavin Ward blows his full time whistle here at Adams Park 3 first half goals from the chair boys from Wheeler Mameti and Scullin was enough for Wickham Wanderers to seal an opening day victory here. Great to hear those goals again, and I'm very pleased to say uh, we can speak to uh, the club's head of audio and broadcast and host of Ringing the Blues. Hey, Colin. Uh, yeah, it's good to hear the uh, some of the commentary back there. I never remember what I say at the time, but yeah, it's nice to hear it back. You must have been so pleased with how it went. Obviously, uh, your, your first first uh, appearance back on Wickham Sound as well. For people that don't know you, you were a co-host of Drive Time and a lot of stuff on the station previously. Uh, but also, that it was such a great game as well. Yeah, wonderful game. Great afternoon at Adams Park. and A perfect game to kick-start commentaries back on Wickham Sound as well. Three goals within 30 minutes. Uh, a summariser making his debut, Chris Farina, who thought I, I thought was fantastic. Uh, he'd never done it before. He was really nervous. He told me at half time, but he wouldn't have he wouldn't have known that listening to him. Great insight, real passion as well. Um, so it's great to get Chris on there and allow fans to get to know Chris a bit more as well. Obviously, we hope he's back out on the pitch really soon, though. But brilliant, brilliant game um, to cover. And you know, Burton. And people were saying they weren't very, you know, disappointing, didn't offer much. But I think mainly because Wickham was so intense with their press and I think they shut Burton down. So um, I think it was a really good performance from Wickham Wanderers. And I think we'll find out more going uh, about this season now when we go to Bolton. But I spoke to Gareth after the game and uh, he was full of praise for the team. Credit my sports science team and, and Dave Waits and, and, and Kean, Al Doherty, Ali Volgazang, Isaac Lecky, Ben Sayers, all, all that group there. I want to name check them because they all do a fantastic job and they've got the boys in top, top condition. I asked for a quick start. They had the energy, they had the physical capability to get into a team that we thought might have one or two new players trying to gel together and we won't let that happen we will steamroll them you know right at the start um, but it doesn't happen every week you know I'm lucky that we got away with that but some really good individual performances there and uh, and like I say the game was uh, was in our control first half Burton we knew they'd come at us second half you know took a few more risks but the damage had been done and the boys know how to see a game out and everyone talking about we haven't made signings yet um, 
I made a lot last year and, and those players, Anis Mimete, you know, Gareth McCleary, Lewis Wing, Sam Vokes, great signings last season for this season. Just because I do it at a different time, <laughs> they're still good signings. But, uh, you know, one or two more, obviously Brandon might have picked up a knock there. We didn't get our goalkeeper across the line, as, as we all said, you know. Put two and two together, you probably will get four on who that is. But... Tyler Dickinson I thought was outstanding as well you know um, for such a young boy to come in I made the decision yesterday to to go with Tyler because um, I didn't want to panic not getting our one over the line you know and, and that happens sometimes in the loan market So, but there was no panic there was never a worry thinking oh my god what are we going to do it was okay Tyler will step up I'm pleased with where Tyler is at the moment pre-season wise I'm pleased with his temperament um, his tactical management of the game and, and his positioning um, all right, he's not the 6 foot 4 stock all that we had but he has these other attributes and uh, and I'm pleased for him he had a fantastic debut but credit everyone for protecting him and a good start but that's all it is you know there's, there's no you know, getting carried away we know what it takes to achieve in this league and uh, and we're going to have to be on it week in week out and hopefully we can get the right results 3-0 at half time obviously a long way to go in the game but was the message to, to protect that clean sheet uh, no, not really I mean we wanted to add to it we did want to add to it in front of the terrace there you know it would have been great and we had some chances but Burton definitely had some chances second half you know the, Jimmy's a good guy good manager and he's going to get them firing without a doubt so it was nice to get one over on them you know but um, you know like I say it's, it's about the boys today they, they were fabulous they really were they deserve all the credit and my staff you know they, they've, they've done brilliant you know, we, we had a plan we put the plan in place and it works but they have to execute the plan I can only give them a framework they were brilliant today and, uh, and I think it's a real nice marker to set right a barometer if you will of yes we're fit yes we understand tactics but we're going to have to do that week in week out some big big sides in this league and some, some crazy results today but, uh, and on top of it all I'd like to dedicate the win to, to Carl Sargent who um, I lost in the summer real close friend and uh he would have loved that one, you know. He was he was QPR fan, but became a Wickham fan because I was here, and uh, and it was nice that everyone did a round of applause on, on the minutes that um, you know on the minute that he got on the screen there. Um, it was just like the opposition to probably score in that minute. Uh, Carl would have loved that, but um, <laughs> it's uh, you know some things are are in perspective, and, and that was big for me today. So um, rest in peace, Carl, and, and prayers to his, his family. But um, the boys delivered for for me today and, and I was really proud of them and I'm proud of them all the time but the likes of Demani getting a, a, some minutes Tyler getting his debut Nick Freeman coming back after a year of, of what he's been through I spoke to Rob Curry just before the game and he came to me and said I'm really glad you're giving Tyler a chance um, and that's what we do Farino, Mimetis you know the, the, the list is endless of who's come through here these young boys but also we've got this uh, quality and these, these experienced boys that never let me down one game doesn't make a season but it's a nice start and I'm really pleased also really nice as well we spoke to um, Matt earlier in the week as well each of the goal scorers had a sort of different story as well brilliant that David Wheeler has, has, has got on the score sheet especially so early in the game as well yeah and also you know the Swiss Army penknife I think Gareth calls him I've also found out that his teammates call him the James Milner of Wickham Wanderers I'm not sure how he <laughs> feels about that um, but he's a really dependable guy and he said that afterwards that he was he would happily play anywhere for the team or do anything and to play right back, I think a lot of people were a bit concerned, thinking, well, he's not a specialist right back. But seven minutes in, and the number seven pops up after a lovely pass from Josh Cohen uh, with a great finish. But it was a really good performance from David Wheeler, really sort of mature. You know, he's a, an experienced professional now, and I think he understood that role of right back. He said that Jack Grimmer had to coach him a bit through it in terms of his positioning, but he's got a great engine. He gets up and down, and when he played fullback for Gareth Ainsworth, 
you know you've got to defend, but you've also you've got to offer something else as well in the final third. And uh, I spoke to David Wheeler after the game, after he got his breath back, he covered some miles in that game. It's interesting, isn't it, going back to right back and then then score in the first game. Um, yeah, obviously really chuffed and enjoyed the celebration. And uh, yeah, like it was the first half, we were like a bullet out of a gun. We were, you know, everyone was at it, everyone was on form and and you know playing well. And it, I, it, I think in the first half, it was pretty quite hard to pick out, you know, a standout player because I think everyone was really on it. And then the second half was just a professional performance, just just like seeing the game out, I think. You've been described as the Swiss Army penknife of Wickham Wanderers. Uh, I think Chris Farino said they call you the James Milner of Wickham Wanderers. <laughs> right back, I mean, right wing back, right back, midfield, up front, does it matter? Nah, just as long as I'm out there, really. Like, yeah, I'm just happy to be out there. Like, I'm, you know, obviously I want to be starting as, as all players do. So the fact that I can do that sometimes, like, goes in my favour. And, yeah, just, just happy to, to, to be involved in part of, you know, winning winning game. Part of the back four, but for the goal, you were very well forward. Yeah, yeah. It was like I was sort of getting reined in by Jack a little bit at times. I was wanting to go forward and he was just telling me to steady. And uh, especially after my goal, I was getting carried away. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, like I, I know I've got, you know, G Mac in front of me. So, you know, if I can, I'll leave him to it. But I'll just back him up and support him if I need to. Uh, a clean sheet as well on the first day at home in front of the fans. Uh, and also for Tyler Dickinson, first senior appearance. Uh, a great day all round. Yeah, 100%. I mean, th- this is this is sometimes what you need as as a young player is to, to for things to fall fall in your favor and you get you get your chance and like it's whether you take it or not and and I think he did. I, I don't think he, you could have asked any more of him. You know, you see that with his man of the, man of the match performance, clean sheet, like barely put a foot wrong. So, he's done really well. He's done himself no no harm. And Damani Mella as well making his debut for Wickham Wanderers. Uh, do you remember when you made your first senior appearance? Yeah, it was uh yeah, it was. I remember it being very hot, and I remember hanging on for about an hour because it was so hot. But yeah, I think it was against Bristol Rovers, and we won. So, yeah. These are special days for players. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, for me, I was you know it was very very nerve wracking, very different going from three hundred people to five thousand. But yeah, that's what it's about. It's about you know adapting and getting used to it, and it's exciting. And I love a player with a trademark celebration. Explain to our new fans what the what the celebration is. I've got to give credit to Anthony Stewart because he said, "Oh, you know, we've got a." He's like, "Can we do anything about like the wheels? Like, can we do like a steering wheel or something?" And that's what that's what it comes from, basically. So um, I think I might have done it the first time in the playoffs when we got promoted a few years ago, like at Fleetwood. So yeah, that's what it comes from, really, Anthony Stewart. And also as well, and it's great to see him. I've heard so many fans say, you know, we'll probably see him in the in the Premier League in the not too distant future. Yeah, and it's for Messi. Is a lot of people, me included, have been saying this is his season. Uh, and I think Chris Farina made a really good point in the commentary because he said actually his last couple of seasons have been really good as well. Uh, you know, he did well in the championship. He got four goals, I think, in the in the championship. He had a good season last year, and I think his injury was came at a really crucial time of the season in the running, and which meant we lost him for those vital games at the end of the playoffs. And it's one of those who knows moments, isn't it? Had and it's been fit, would the result have been different at Wembley? We'll never know. But what we do know is is that he is incredibly focused and uh, on having a great season for Wickham Wanderers. I think he's really bulked up a bit as well because you've got to remember he's still a young lad, so he's still had some growing to do. But his upper body strength is really there now as well, and we saw that with his goal because. I think Burton players, once they realised they weren't able to tackle him fairly, they were trying to sort of almost rugby tackle him down to stop him getting him in in the box. And he sort of brushed all that off. 
but he's kept the finesse and the touch and the skills as well. And it, that's getting better and better. And uh, I think you know we all know about his ability, but his drive, his determination, I think is what will get into the top flight. And the great thing about it is, Colin, that he's a Wickham Wanderers player. We've, we've developed players in the past, your Alfie Mawson, your Eberichi Eze's. We've seen them go on and play at the top table of football. And they did it as low knees. So we can take a bit of reflective pride in that. But Anis is one of our own. So we want him to do really, really well this season. And, uh, and maybe he may attract a, a big money move at the end of the season or, or whenever it happens. Um, but for that to happen, it means he's going to have to play really, really well for Wickham Wanderers. So let's enjoy him this season because I think he's going to have a great time of it. And, and that goal was the perfect start for him. No, really exciting future for Anis and I look forward to seeing him uh, more of him in a, in a Wickham shirt. And I guess for anyone who perhaps either wasn't at the game or didn't hear the commentary, they might certainly have seen um, a video clip of uh, Josh's goal. Yeah, well, you know, again, Chris, the insight on the commentary was saying that the, the lads always remind Josh he scores one goal a season when he's got it already. And I think I said at the time it was a goal of the season contender. Beautiful technique uh, on the half volley just outside the penalty area. Keeper, I don't think he moved, didn't see it. Um, it was a fantastic strike. And he had, he had a really good chance as well later on in the game, Josh, as well. So he, he nearly doubled his tally from last season. But yeah, he only seems to score world-class goals now in his second spell at Wickham Wanderers. Uh, he's got the rest of the season to maybe add to his tally. We'll hope to see him do that. But he brings so much to this team. The goal was great, but what he does in midfield is superb. And we shouldn't ignore the assist as well for the David Wheeler goal because the pass, beautifully round the corner, the vision, the weight of it, absolute perfection. So we're seeing a lot more of Josh Gowen now. We know what he can do in terms of breaking teams down and the coverage and the tackling, but with the ball, I think a really underrated player, um, especially by our opposition and Sunderland fans as well when he was up there. They didn't really appreciate him, I don't think, as a footballer. But I think uh, in this second spell at Wicker Wanderers, he's late twenties now, he's probably in his peak, in his prime, and we can really enjoy watching Josh now in the quarters as well. Did it really feel in a way like the team are just continuing where they left off last season? There, there, is, there is an element of that, I think, because the short break, because of the playoff campaign, on one hand, a lot of people were saying, how do you get over the, the disappointment of losing at Wembley? But equally, uh, they haven't had that opportunity to lose that sharpness, that fitness, as much as you would have done with the with the proper break of you know, 12, 13 weeks. They had just the 10 weeks, five weeks off, and then the five weeks pre-season. It, you know, without the transfer business, you know, obviously we lost Stocko and, and Anthony Stewart, and, and we knew that Bayer was leaving. But the rest of the, the squad, the nucleus of that squad is the same. They know each other. They know the systems well. They know their jobs and responsibilities. So technically, they should hit the ground running. And they, they did that on Saturday. And hopefully, they can continue to do that at Bolton. So um, it'll be interesting to see in about five, six weeks' time with the teams that have done a lot of business when they start to gel and when they start to find their rhythm. Then you find it starts to get really interesting. But Wickham at the moment, hopefully, can really make good strides in the early stages of this season. And great to see the team in such a sort of controlling display as well. It was all kind of wrapped up within half an hour. And you imagine uh, fans pretty pleased with what they've seen. You know, you, you often hear that the fans are frustrated at perhaps the lack of new signings or the lack of chips or, you know, there's, there's usually something, isn't there? But <laughs> fantastic that, you know, they, they had such a display on the opening day. Yeah, look, with football fans, you know, if we win the lottery, we'll find something to moan about, but it will ruin our life or something like that. But that's just the nature of it. And, you know, the, the mood around or coming into the game, especially on social media, it was worried about the goalkeeping situation, uh, the lack of, uh, of replacement of Anthony Stewart. And it was very doom and gloom online. Um, but when the team news came out, that continued to an element. But 
that's why Wickham made the perfect start because half an hour in it was it was uh, quite jubilant. Um, let's see what happens on Saturday because Bolton will be a really stern test. Um, we'll see what happens. As you touched on, really pleasing lemons for, for Tyler to, to make his League One debut and obviously Nick Freeman, who, who's someone you, you've been uh, physically, literally quite close to uh, of late in the, in the commentary box. Great to see him get a warm welcome as well. Yeah, Tyler, fantastic for him and, and Gareth has already given the, the plaudits as well to the whole team as well because clean sheets are not just a goalkeeper but Tyler did everything that he needed to do and he did it really well on, on Saturday uh, and we'll see what happens with him but he's developing brilliantly under under Lee Harrison's eye and yeah when Nick Freeman came on I don't mind admitting you there was, there was a little tear in my eye because we spent a lot of time together last season when he was on his recovery and he, he kind of threw himself into the match day commentary role uh, so I got to know Nick really really well um, and I know the journey he's been on I know how much hard work he's put in to get back into the into a the physical fitness, but then also he's got to play himself into form in pre-season. He's been really really in good form in pre-season to get in this match day squad. But it's difficult now. There's a big there's a big group of players here at Adams Park, and he's got his way back into that match day squad. So to see him get match day minutes on the opening day, and then to hear that reception that he got as well um, from the Wickham fans was really heartwarming. And and it shows you that he's really um, he's really made a bond with those Wickham fans and. Uh, I'm selfishly going to say, you know, they're going to love him even more now because of the, the stuff he did in the commentary box. <laughs> it's really nice, isn't it? Because you get to, you feel you get to know a player when you hear them, you know, chatting in that way uh, to you and with you about their own sort of experience as well. I think so, yeah, because, you know, footballers, when they get injured, it, it's quite a, a traumatic experience, you know, especially if it's a long injury because footballers is, is a short career. And, you know, Nick's been out for nine months, I think 11 months in total, but you know, the, in terms of footballing action, he's lost nine months of his career. And there's always a doubt, isn't there, if it's a serious injury. And, and that can take a huge mental strain on Nick and his family and everything else. And he's fought his way through that and got back. And I think as fans, sometimes we can see players being carried off and then you may not see them again until uh, on a match day um, for a long time. So, um, so yeah, I think it was good to kind of help track Nick's sort of recovery, speak to him every other week when he was doing the commentary, find out how he was getting on. Uh, and find out a bit more about him, the person as well. And, you know, he's a, he's a tremendous guy. He's, he's very funny as well, but he was great on the commentary. Um, but it was so wonderful, uh, Colin, to see him cross the white line on Saturday and, and get that warm reception of the fans. And credit to the fans as well, because they really looked after Tyler in that first half on the terrace. They know, they would have known it was his senior debut, his football league debut, and they gave him a really warm reception as well, which would have helped him ease into the game. No, really heartwarming. And as you touched on, I think uh, the team can expect quite a different different test on Saturday. Yeah, Bolton Wanderers are in tremendous form. If you look at uh, the last 22 games of last season from sort of the middle of January onwards during that transfer window, uh, yeah, 22 games in the league. They won 14 of them, uh, drew, I think, five and only lost three. Uh, to do my maths there, I hope I've got that right. Either way, they were in really good form. Had they not made such a slow start to the League One campaign, that have been assuring for the playoffs. And um, Ian Everett, their manager, I think, was looking to continue that as well. I've had a look at that team that Wickham beat early in January before they went on that big run. We won 2-0 uh, back up there in January on Tuesday night. Jack Grimmer scored a great goal in that game. And nine of the players involved that night uh, were involved either in the starting 11 or came off the bench on the opening day of the season when they drew 1-1 at Ipswich uh, last Saturday. So they are also a settled squad as well and in really good form, as were Wickham. So I think this is going to be a great game, and it's also going to be a really good barometer, not just for these two teams, but I think for the league in general, because here we've got two settled squads 
who are carrying on hopefully their really good form from last season. So I think it would be a really good acid test to see uh, what both of these teams are about and where the division's at as well. And a first away day uh, for yourself and, of course, the travelling fans. Uh, I'm sure uh, you often enjoy going out to, to different grounds, but also finding out what uh, various service stations can offer you as well. Yeah, I can't wait. I mean, the services over the summer, I hope they've been restocking with some <laughs> random stuff for me to go and find out. You know, I like nothing more than stopping in the Midlands, probably the furthest point away from the coast in the country <laughs> and being able to buy a child's wetsuit. I think that's a great service that the services provide this country. And I'm looking forward to seeing what they've done over the summer. <laughs> you can never be too prepared, can you? I think that's what the message they're telling you. <laughs> well, exactly. Uh, wooden ducks were always a favourite. They've been a bit thin on the ground, I'm guessing, now with the... Uh, with the war in Ukraine and other things, supply line issues that may have hit the wooden duck industry hard. But, um, you know, I'm looking forward to the first away day, absolutely. And I'll be uh, covering that on my Twitter if you're really keen to know what I'll be looking at. <laughs> uh, Phil will be with us uh, with uh, a full match commentary, of course, on Wanderers TV and here at Wickham Sound on Saturday. Great to talk to you. Thank you so much for your time. Always a pleasure, Colin. Great chat to you, Phil. And, of course, the uh, wooden duck industry is something that we'll be uh, following throughout the season and seeing how that develops. Don't forget you can catch up with uh, the full interviews with Gareth and David Wheeler on Wanderers TV as well. Online, on Radio Player and on 106.6 FM. This is Wickham Sound. Still to come on this week's edition of the Wickham Wanderers Show, Episode 2, Season 3, if you're counting. No, probably not. Uh, we'll hear from manager Gareth Ainsworth and we'll also be catching up with the boss of Wickham Wanderers Women, uh, Carl Simon, who have begun their pre-season training at their new home in Burnham this week, uh, coincidentally after the England uh, women's side won Euro 2022. Uh, but first, uh, many thanks indeed to the Wickham Wanderers Ex-Players Association, JDT and Alan Hutchinson, who this week have arranged uh, for us to speak to a gentleman who uh, started his playing career at the club in 1959... But, as you'll hear from Martin Priestley, his association with Wickham Wanderers started before that. We used to go and watch uh, Wickham Wanderers play, you know, prior the cup final against Bishop Auckland. We, we used to hang over behind the goal and kick the, kick the metal at uh, Lokes Park. But um, we, I was at school with J.D. Taylor, who I think you've met. He's more or less the chap who runs the ex-players association. And we were at school together, at the grammar school, and um, for some reason we thought we were good enough for a trial. <laughs> so we went to uh, Lokes Park and knocked on Sid Can's door. Uh, you won't have remembered, remembered Sid Can, but he was a doer, miserable-looking um, chap, and uh, he just stood there and looked at us for about a minute and then said yes. So uh, we had a few months training with some of our... Cup final squad heroes. Wonderful. What were the training sessions like? Well, with Sid Can, they were they were very good. He was a, he had um, you know just the right level of fitness and uh, and skills and things. And he was always looking forward to who we were playing next and what their strengths were, what we might have to deal with, that sort of thing. And as you mentioned, some of the names at the club at that time would have been you know some fantastic names who, as you say, featured in that fifty-seven final. Yes, yes. Um, well, my first game, um, some of them were just sort of getting towards the end of their careers, you know, but um, my first game uh, in 1959 against Maidstone Reserves, I was surrounded by experience. Colin Bunting in goal, Barry Darville, Ken Crook, Dave Worley, Len's cousin, Jackie Tomlin, Derek Draffin, 
Mick Rockall, Peter James. You know, I was only a youngster, and they sort of backed me up, helped me through, lots of encouragement. It was super. What were your first impressions, if you like, of your time just starting out at the club? Well, overawed. <laughs> we had uh, no television, of course. This was only 15 years after the war finished. Uh, so we had no television. We didn't have a paper regularly. So you know, our heroes were sort of local people, local cricketers, local footballers. We didn't see international games like you can so easily these days. And it must have been fantastic as well to be, you know, as you say, a local person yourself and, be, and playing for your local club. Well, that's what it was like in those days, I think, because um, all the players I can think of, apart from Sammy... Keith Samuels, who came from uh, Croydon Way, all of them were in the sort of um, half an hour, all lived within half an hour of Wickham. And so, um, you know, you didn't have players travelling 50, 60, 100 miles and so on. They were all local lads, really, in those days. And, of course, people might not know uh, that you have the accolade of being the answer to a quiz question. The quiz question being, uh, who was Wickham Wanderers' first ever substitute? Substitutes were different in those days. In fact, I think it came in about 66, 67. But, uh, you know, prior to that, we had uh, cup finals, professional cup finals, the FA Cup, where a player got injured immediately and uh, the side had to play with 10 men. And uh, if another player got injured, they had to limp, limp their way through the game. And uh, it spoiled the games, basically, not having the ability to change but you couldn't just uh, change like you do today, send five on. My first uh, su- substitute for Wickham was uh, for John Maskell in goal, who, who um, clashed with a centre-forward and had to have stitches. Fortunately, the, the hospital was just across the way, <laughs> behind his goal, actually. <laughs> Very conveniently situated. Yes, but he had to have the stitches put in and uh, sort of had to be approved that he was not fit to carry on before I came on. So um, it it wasn't easy to get substitutes on the pitch. And there was only one, of course, only one substitute. But uh, we won 4-1 anyway against Barking. (laughs) And you you didn't go and go yourself? No, no, they put Keith Samuels, uh, he was mad enough to go in goal. And, and willing. Because <laughs> <laughs> people forget, obviously, the balls are much heavier in those days, and I think, I think being in goal is quite a, a, a non-envious position to have been in. Uh, absolutely, and it was a mucky, messy, heavy day. So th- there was no ball technology in those days. Um, you know, like, they're like balloons now, but they were like cannonballs on a, on a wet day. And the keepers didn't even wear gloves, either. There were no sort of... Um, these great big mitts that goalkeepers wear these days. Dennis Searitt used to wear a pair. I think his wife must have knitted, knitted them for him. <laughs> Woolen gloves. No, there was no football technology, Colin, in, in those days. No technology for balls, no technology for boots. I mean, the boots we wore were like medieval armour, made, made out of pig skin, solid toe caps. It, it was uh, it was dreadful because there weren't many pitches. There were no coaches. Um, kids didn't get coached at school. I went to uh, Cryers Hill, Cryers Hill, a junior school, 
and there were four lazy teachers after the war, and um, there, there were no teams for under-sixes, under-sevens, under-eights like there are today, um, let alone teams for girls. <laughs> no, exactly. Uh, look how far we've come. Yes, yes, in, uh, in my lifetime. No, exactly. Also, I've seen some fantastic photos of uh, team photos of the time when you played as well. And, you know, you talk about the boots, but also the kit as well. Obviously, very recognisable, the quarters, but obviously the shirts look quite heavy and the shorts, oh, yes. shorts of course, are so big. Yes, and, and uh, when they got wet, they got lower and lower if the elastic wasn't too good. <laughs> 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 and, uh, you know, I was six foot four and uh, Barry Baker was five foot two or, or whatever he was. And um, so... Uh, <laughs> You just had a, a shirt with your number on it, and that was it. <laughs> you know when your shorts falling out, especially on a sloping pitch? Yes. Oh, yes, the sloping pitch. So are there any particular games that especially stand out during, during your time at the club? Well, I was only, I was only there for uh, when 59. So I was, in the, I was in the fifth form at school, and um, when I was 18, uh, I went off to college. So I went to Borough Road Physical Education College in... Um, Isleworth, a PE college in London, and uh, for the next three years, um, I was only able to come back in holiday time, because um, in those days, PE colleges like Loughborough, St Luke's, Exeter, they all had huge reputations they wanted to enhance, so we had to play for college teams, midweek and on Saturdays. So, um, from 18 till 22, that was my football life really but uh, I was always welcome back during the holiday times which was nice and really nice as well that obviously you're still in touch with many of the players that you play with at that time as well well when I when I spoke to you yesterday because I've got I've got some memorabilia here I looked back through for the, the first game after we won the World Cup in 1966 I don't know who it was against but I looked at the photograph and I've been to the funeral of Paul Bates Charlie Gale, Ian Rundle, and the others who died were Peter Royston and Johnny Beck. But all the others in the picture, John Maskell, Vince Faulkner, Keith Samuels, Les Merrick, Barry Baker, Tony Horsman, Len Worley, Viv Budsby, I'm still in contact with all of them. We play golf, we meet at, uh, at the games, the home games, and uh, the ex-players arrange all sorts of um, activities which which is nice for us all to get together again. It's so nice, isn't it? I think football's quite special like that, that you, you've had that sort of common bond and things that you've been through. You really can't imagine, you're sort of, I don't know, say, for example, accountants saying, you know, oh, 50, 60 years ago, we, we worked in this office. It was brilliant. We had a spreadsheet we did. It was fantastic. <laughs> do, you, do you remember those days? No, no, there's not that sort of camaraderie, I don't think, anyway. I think you do get it in uh, things like the army, um, well, certainly as well, teaching, you know, if you've, if you've been to a good school and there's a good group, you stay in touch. But really, it's the Ex-Players Association which reintroduced me to all these people uh, who we sort of lost touch with while they were having families and paying for houses and all the rest of their careers. And we've sort of um, regrouped at the age of 65 plus and as I say I play golf twice a week with uh, half a dozen of them 
What was that like? Because I think you were one of the founder members, weren't you, of the Ex-Players Association. Was it like kind of, oh, we've never been away, and you just kind of, when you meet all your old teammates again, it's just like, oh, do you remember, it must be fantastic to kind of reconnect like that. Oh, yes. And, and I mean, the ribbing and um, teasing and, um, and and everything is childish, really, but uh, it's good fun. <laughs> and, and we are getting towards second childhood, after all. <laughs> And those names I've mentioned, they're they're a really good group of lads, and um, Keith Searle as well, I didn't mention Keith. We have really good fun. We don't particularly take much care about the scoring or counting of shots. <laughs> um, it's, um, it's just, uh, you know, a couple of days a week, it's a good day out. And really special for you to be able to, I say, re-sort re- of tell and remember, sort of reflect on, on, on what you went through. Oh, yes, yes, that happens all the time. In fact, my grandson came uh, last week to golf um, to because um, he's uh, broken up for the holidays, and uh, so he played with all these lads. And he had to sit down afterwards and listen to all their stories, um, many of which I've heard before, of course. But um, no, it's good. It's good. Does it seem especially impressive as well when you when you see where the club is now? Oh, I'm very very proud. Uh, well, you know, I, I have watched through the years uh, as my family grew up and um, so on, but not as regularly as now because the ex-players association very generously are award are given a box at the game. So, you know, as long as not too many have um, wanted tickets, it's possible to go and watch a few games in uh, in comfort and go next door to the um, manager's box. So, um, it's very very nice indeed, and. Um, now COVID's over, Vince, uh, Vince Faulkner and, and Sammy bring players who are injured um, around the um, boxes, the executive boxes, and introduce them to everybody, which was nice as well. You could chat about old times. It must be so nice to compare, you know, what it was like in your day to, to what it's like to, for a modern player. Oh, yes, the, the poor lads have to listen to it. <laughs> <laughs> and did, um, you make, did you make it to Wembley as well? Yes, oh crikey, I took, uh, I took my grandsons, uh, one of whom's in college in America, football scholarship, and uh, he, he, it was his first time at Wembley, and um, my younger one, we enjoyed it tremendously. It, it's just a pity, it was one of our worst displays. No, definitely, but a fantastic day out and a brilliant achievement oh, to, yes. to have got that far, obviously. And... Yes, and, uh, and the football crowds at Wembley had had bad press for uh, a couple of years before this, but I have to say, that day with Sunderland and, the, and their supporters, my experience anyway, was fantastic. People sang, people cheered and clapped, things we did. It was, um, it was no problem at all, just what you hope crowds would be like. And there was a big crowd there. They had 50-odd thousand. I think we only had 20, 25,000. But I guess an extra sense of pride for you as well, having, having played for, for that team. Yes, yes. We never got anywhere near Wembley. <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, some of the other clubs I, I moved on to, and I did move on in the end, because when I finished college and became a teacher, PE teacher, my first job was in Finchley, I took over from um, a footballer called George Robb, actually, who um, played for Tottenham and England and uh, played in that uh, Hungary match when we lost 6-3. Anyway, he moved on to another teaching job somewhere and I took his his job at Christ College Finchley. And um, I tried to stay at Wickham, but we didn't have... Uh, I didn't have a car. The school
school was a grammar school with Saturday morning fixtures, evening fixtures, parents' evenings. It was difficult to get to training, to get to matches, to get to clubs. And uh, after that first year, I, uh, I moved on to a London club, which made it a lot easier, travel-wise. Travel was the main problem. Of course. How do you look back generally, though, on, on your time at the club? Oh, well, with, with great uh, pride. And, um, and, and I'm so pleased that so many of us have stuck together and are pleased to see each other and will do anything at the drop of a hat uh, to help you if you're stuck. Um, and uh, so I can say that uh, real good friends. And really nice to say that, you know, you had a, went on to have a successful career you know, after your time at the club as well. Uh, yes, I went to uh, two or three clubs. Um, a couple of them associated with the college because uh, one of the lecturers, the PE lecturers, was also a football coach. He coached the England women's team, actually. And uh, they weren't as successful as they are today. Um, but he was coach at Hayes and at uh, Southall, two clubs I went to. And um, But those clubs had nothing like the camaraderie um, or the aftercare that uh, Wickham Wanderers Club has provided, well, provided for me anyway, and, uh, and all my friends. Really nice to speak to you, Martin Priestley, uh, former defender for Wickham Wanderers, and the club's first ever substitute. Online, on Radio Player, and on 106.6 FM, this is Wickham Sound. Wickham Wanderers women start their season on the 4th of September. We'll hear from uh, their new manager, Carl Simon, find out how the pre-season preparations are going, and also, of course, reflecting on the fantastic uh, result for England in the Euro 2022 final on Sunday, uh, beating Germany. Very exciting. Uh, after extra time, could have been in normal time, that would have helped me. Uh, but a uh, great result for them, and we'll find out the impact that will have on local football as well. But first, uh, regularly we hear from the manager, of course, uh, Gareth Fainsworth, uh, speaking to the media this morning at the training ground, looking ahead to the trip to Bolton Wanderers on Saturday in the uh, first, of course, league game of the season. Uh, we'll get his thoughts on the uh, women's result as well. But first, a bit of a recap on uh, how things went on Saturday at Adams Park in the overall result and performance. We're good when we uh, when we have a plan, you know. It's sometimes the chaos of football and fixtures and everything, it's really difficult. But we had a good three training days to work on what we wanted to do against Burton. Uh, like I said, the boys nailed the plan and uh, and it's nice to get off to a winning start, you know. Um, I don't think we let Burton, uh, I don't think we let him get going at all. And uh, and that was, you know, real credit to the to the boys' fitness and, and like I say, medical teams and, and sports science teams got the boys in real tip-top shape so I could uh, I could ask them to do what I wanted them to do. And um, yeah, some great goals as well, you know. It's, uh, often build this long ball set piece team and that was some fantastic play in, in, around the box and uh, all three goals really great move great pass for the first one fantastic individual skill for the second one and uh, and again cracking volley from, from Josh going after to some nice build up play so no really really pleased and uh, and looking forward to Saturday now but I think it'll be a whole different test coming to uh, coming to Bolton I was going to say Bolton will provide so many different sort of threats for you especially defensively I guess yeah, of course. You know that you look at the the fancy teams this season. Bolton are up there. I think the fourth or fifth fancy to go to go up. So um, they've had a real good form for, from uh, from way back, really, from the start of the year. You know they've had real good form um, if you take uh, if you take it all into consideration. And, and 
uh, Ian Everett's made some good signings as well. So we've got to make sure that we're on it. You know, we, we've got a we've got a squad that's um, you know probably eighty five percent fit. We've got um, we've got one or two missing from injury, two one or two big players as well. So um, again, we'll, we'll we'll be up there with um, with a strong squad ready to go and uh, and hopefully get the points away from the Reebok. But um, it's a big pitch up, up north there in the northwest, so it's with different challenges. Um, you know, I think um, we went off like a train, and, and the, definitely the the uh, you know the fast twitch muscles and the sprint muscles and all that were working a treat. You know, the boys looked energetic, looked powerful. So yeah, again, I credit the the, the various teams on that. But um, it's uh, it's going to be a, a, another barometer on Saturday. You know, you, you know, you might get away with the first game, but over a period of time, you know, six, seven, eight games, we'll definitely know where, where we are and where we sit in that. Um, in that scheme of things, but um, we just got to we just got to approach this one in the right way. The boys are great. The modern footballer now takes on messages, watches videos, and and you know, real looks at the technical detail of games. And, and my players do that. It's really good. And uh, and hoping that um, again, once we put the plan in place for Saturday, um, they'll all know what they've got to do, and uh, and we can scupper what Bolton want to do against us. Is there much you're able to take from Tuesday night's friendly? Obviously, you had a number of fringe players uh, from the first team and, and trialists as well. Yeah, a difficult game, really. Uh, the, the pitch and uh, you know, and having trialists in the game almost, you know, we, we were we were almost like Burton, you know, if I'm honest, for five players that didn't really know the boys well enough, and and it's going to take time for them to gel. So really difficult to judge, and uh, yeah, a little bit disappointed, but. Um, Obviously, it was uh, it's a trial game and uh, and one or two bright sparks, but um, you know you, you're going to get them now and again. It's uh, it's all about the first team games for me, and we, we're going to make sure that we're, we're competitive in those. And as you mentioned, such a controlling uh, display on Saturday that must have uh, sort of set things up really nicely for this week's preparation. Yeah, yeah, it, it was. You know, I almost took a foot off the gas a little bit and tried a few things second half, um, but but had one or two opportunities as well, which we've looked at, and we've got to make sure that we. Uh, was solid because no disrespect, but some of the uh, some of the bigger clubs in the league, you know, will take take their chances, uh, and uh, and we've got to make sure that we don't do that. Bolton are a big team in this league, and, and we're going to make sure that we're we're definitely on it for Saturday because it's uh, it's going to be a tough game. And just finally, a quick reaction for you uh, from you from the uh, the Lionesses uh, result on on Sunday, a fantastic advert if you like for women's football, and obviously with with Wickham Wanderers winning their season starting soon as well, it must be fantastic to ha- have a women's sort of section for the club, and also you know for for girls locally who, and women who are coming along to to watch the games at Adams Park. Absolutely, um, what, what a brilliant achievement it is, you know, and uh, our women's football has come on in the last few years is is phenomenal. It's probably the one of the fastest growing sports in, in, in the world, never mind this country, you know, and, and uh, having two daughters myself, you know, it's, uh, it's great to see that the, uh, you know, that the women's game is, is sold out is, you know, around the world being screened and, uh, and some of the players really, you know, becoming household names. So, um, <clears throat> no, all for it, you know, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a, it's a great sport and, uh, and, you know, the, the women have proved that, you know they, they they can pitch it amongst the best as well. You know I'm sure they'll be looking forward to the World Cup now. But um, it's uh, it's a brilliant achievement, and you know um, congratulations to them all. A real shot in the arm for women's football. And on Monday, just after the game, of course, on Sunday, we spoke to Carl Simon, who's the Wickham Wanderers women's boss, to get his reaction. Well, first of all, congratulations to the Lionesses. It was a wonderful achievement, which we all watched as a squad together um, down at Burnham FC's um, stadium. And I think 
you know, overall, the, the for, for, for people like myself who have been involved in women's football for a number of years, it's nice to see other people appreciating the level of quality there is in the women's game and seeing it as a sport in its own, you know, in its own right rather than trying to compare it with the women's game. Um, it was seen, I think, yesterday for the first time on its own term, and that was a wonderful thing to see. And for the young girls who, who, who want to play football now, it's a real target to be a professional footballer, to play for England. As us, ourselves, as all young boys, we all want to play for England and, and, and play the FA Cup final. Now girls can say the same thing themselves. But I think that's wonderful. And in terms of our players, it's spiked the enthusiasm. Um, we're really looking forward to a good training session tomorrow because there's a lot more intensity to, to wanting to, to perform and to achieve the targets that we're set out. It was really interesting. I was saying that um, Katie Hudson's written a fantastic piece on the, the the club website about how you know their achievements going to make them want to train harder. That must really please you as well. Yeah, yeah of course it does. You know, and like I say, we've got our own group chat, and you can feel it um, amongst the players that they really want to. You know, they want to do something now. They want to get themselves involved a bit more um, than maybe even before. And you know, also on another note, I've had a lot of players contacting us today wanting to get back involved, wanting to come out of retirement, all sorts of things. So it's, it's been a real um, shot in the arm for women's football, I think. And also, as you say, and you must notice as well in your, in your coaching career, how you know people's perceptions of the standard of women's football has, has increased so much. Well, that's it, yeah. It's, it's, it's the standard. And, and people always will look at the standard and, and, and they'd say, oh, well, they're not as, as good as the men or, you know, the game's a little bit slower. But if you watched the game yesterday, the technique within the game, um, the tactics within the game, but the speed, the athleticism of the players, it's, it's top, top tier. And, and everyone can see that now. And that's because they've now, you know, they've gone professional, WSL. And you're seeing when women are given equal terms and when they're given the same facilities, what they can come or what they can achieve. So we just hope that filters a bit more down throughout football. And locally, this does seem to have come at a really good time. It seems such an exciting time for Wickham Wanderers women. Obviously, there's a new head coach. <laughs> and also, you know, you've been able to bring in some new signings and that you've got your new, new base as well. Yeah, it's all happening. We start training there for the first time tomorrow. So we've been training down at the Rye, but it feels like now we'll be at our facility tomorrow and the pre-season really starts in earnest. So yeah, it's really exciting time to be fair and you know, we just want to get the four weeks done, do some really good work and then looking forward to the season starting on September 4th. And you've had some friendlies already. What would have been your initial thoughts on you know, how the group's doing? Well, you know, at the moment we've been working with mixed squads. Um, apart from one game where we did have the majority of first-team players, and that's due to a lot of variety of things. You know, I came in at a certain time, players had booked holidays away and things like that, and obviously with COVID, um, people hadn't been away for quite a few years, so everyone was quite keen to get away. So I've, I've come in and I've whacked in a full pre-season schedule, but obviously people have already made commitments, so we've had to deal with that, but it's given an opportunity to other players, so players in the under-18s and players in the reserve squads, to um, feature for the first team for the first time so lots and lots of debuts and it's been you know an eye-opener for some but like I say you know we played at Maidenhead yesterday um, we lost the game 4-0 but they're a National League team Tier 4 and it's quite appropriate that for our first game at our new home ground we played a Tier 4 team because that's where we want to be that's what we want to aspire to so the players can see it now and we can work towards that and does it feel like the team's in a real transition period, obviously, because you're, you're, you, know, you want to stamp your uh, way of playing on them and also bring in some, some fresh, uh, fresh ideas and fresh names as well? 
believe exactly what's happening. It does take time. You know, you have to do it in, in the right way. And, you know, you have to respect what's there before us. You know, so it's not a case of coming in and ripping everything up. But we're trying to, so we've introduced training twice a week. We've moved facilities. And obviously within that, we've assessed the squads and we, we assessed the needs. We played the, the, the certain games against top-tier opposition. So we know, you know what level we need to be at. And part of that is bringing in players who have played at that level. Another part is allowing the players that we have the room to, to, to develop um, to that standard as well. So what would you say to any players or indeed you know, just young girls generally who might be keen to be involved in, in Wickham Wanderers women in the future, given what they've seen on a national level? involved and if you're interested in football uh, you're ambitious um, we can run is here for you that's what we're after we're looking for ambitious players who, who, who want to take part who want to help drive the club forward um, that's, we're always looking for players like that so if you're really interested we do have adverts running on social media get in touch and uh, you know we'll get you down to the training ground and a great opportunity for you know people locally to, to back the team as well come along to the games at your new home yeah, we had a decent crowd yesterday, which was nice. And we're picking up support. You know, we're looking for, for more people in the local community to come, come come and support us. We really do need that. It does help. The really good games are being played down at the, the stadium's great facilities. So, yeah, the more people that can come and support us, the better. That's Carl Simon, the Wickham Wanderers women's boss, uh, new, uh, newly appointed uh, head of the new season as well, and we'll be speaking to uh, uh, and covering more of the chair girls as the season goes on. Uh, we're due to be chatting to Cara, the vice-captain, currently on holiday. Uh, that's uh, on a future edition of the show, possibly even next week. Uh, also coming up next week, we'll chat to Nigel Kingston, who's the uh, chairman of the Wickham Wanderers Trust as well. Very much looking forward to speaking to him. Don't forget live commentary uh, from the game at the Reebok against... Uh, Bolton Wanderers with Phil uh, live on Wickham Sound and on Wanderers TV of course our uh, match build up uh, from 2 uh, this weekend uh, on Saturday due to it being an away game kick off of course is at 3 we'll have post match reaction and analysis as well lots to look forward to uh, if you missed this show if you're listening to this show and you've missed it uh, that's probably not the case but uh, it's available there's a podcast version wherever you get your podcasts from it's on the Wickham Sound radio player page on YouTube as well and uh, you can also catch us on the listening in feature on the website wickhamsound.org.uk many thanks for listening uh, join us next week if you can Thank you.